is Mackenzie. Hey, this is Owen. Don't forget to like our show and subscribe. This podcast is brought to you by the Loving Kindness Project Foundation. What is one thing that you could do to think, speak, or act kindly today? Go to lovingkindnessproject.org to learn more. Before we begin this podcast, if you or someone you know is in crisis or needs emotional support, there are tools that can help. So get yourself a pen and paper or open a note-taking app on your phone or computer. Feel free to pause this episode while you get yourself ready. The episode starts at 1 minute and 6 seconds. You can call Talk Suicide Canada at 1-833-456-4566. You can text 45645, which is coming in the fall of 2023. In Canada, you can also call 988, the kids' help phone at 1-800-668-6868. The Trans Lifeline in Canada is 1-877-330-6366 and in the United States, 1-877-565-8860 or call 911. You are not alone and you do not have to be alone. I would like to honor and recognize the traditional and unceded territories of the Katsi, Kwantlen, and Semiamu nations on whose territory I live, work, and play. Welcome to We Are the ADHD Family Podcast. This podcast is meant to chronicle our journey with ADHD, autism, and other discoveries along the way. I reach out to advocates, experts, individuals, and other families that want to raise their voices and empower those on their journey. My name is Mark Smeets, and I am passionate about removing barriers for others through creating connections and building on strengths and practical problem solving. I am married to Siobhan, a parent of two wonderful kids, and all of us have ADHD. I want you to feel like you have power and hope. And now, into the episode. What does Anakin Skywalker and ADHD have in common, according to Obi-Wan Kenobi? We're always on the move. Well, I hope you enjoyed that little Star Wars deep cut quote from Revenge of the Sith. So I'm recording this on September 15th, and last week was a very, very busy week for me. On September 6th, which was a Wednesday evening, I had a presentation with the city of Surrey, and that's Surrey here in Vancouver, not in the UK, and it was basically for proposing a pilot project of having sensory-friendly swim times in our pools. And I thought what I would do is actually use my presentation that I gave to the city and talk you through what I did and what were on the slides. And, uh, you know, maybe there's something that somebody can use here. But this is what we've, this is what I've proposed, and it's been pretty awesome. I basically have been preparing for this for, oh gosh, I think it started in May, May or June, probably June. Uh, so that's a couple months worth of, um, you know, thinking about what to say, how to put it together. I knew in my head the concept was really simple, but trying to convey it on a slide and trying to convey, trying to reframe disabilities too, for that matter, and just get out of the, just get, just getting out of the whole of it's just about autism was it was hard, but now that I'm through that bridge, it's much easier. 
As always, I'm going to have two versions of the podcast, just the regular audio one, but also the video one. In the audio one, you're not going to be able to see what I'm presenting. But if you watch the video version of this, you will see the slideshow and I will talk through it as I progress through the slides. The way I structured the slides was to give the slides a lot of information or specifying my asks. I wasn't talking about... I was talking about the information on the slides, not so much the words on the slides themselves. I had separate speeches written for everything. So this is the one time where watching the video version of this is probably going to make way more sense than listening to the audio, but I'll do what I can. I'm going to split this episode up into two parts, and I'm going to release them at the same time. The first part of the episode is going to be, or whatever I decide part one is going to be, is it's going to be the presentation, and like I said, I think you should be watching the the video version of it. The audio one, it's going to be a little bit harder to, to describe. The part two of this is there are some points and things that I want to make, and whether you watch the presentation first or listen to part two first, really it's up to you. The There are a couple critical points that I make in the slide that I think are really need to be expanded on, and it will help bridge I think that knowledge gap that I know I've seen and experienced. For me to try to put this into one video would just be, or one podcast, one episode, that'd be just way too much to to sit there and do. So it's easier just to split it up. I have two pieces of advice for you if you plan to do a presentation like this. The very first piece is actually really simple. When I did my presentation, I did not realize that PowerPoint was set to auto-advance. In other words, when I was practicing the speeches, I guess I must have set a timer, and by the time, like practicing in a room by yourself is one thing, but when you get into a, a crowd, I mean, that's live. That's, that's going to be, that's going to change everything. So even though I was faster at home, expect to be slower in, in person. So I wasn't done with the slides, and the slide kept advancing on me. So there's my tip, is make sure the auto-advance on PowerPoint or whatever you're using is not set and that you're in manual control if that's what you've got planned. What was funny is during the presentation, Owen stuck around with me and because I brought the whole family with me to City Hall. And at one point he came up to me because he saw that I was struggling. And so (laughs) he came up and I, and he's got his headphones on and stuff. And he's like, he just, I thought he just wanted a hug. So he went beside me. No, it turns out he was trying to control the computer to stop the slides from moving forward because he had figured it out too. So that's quite humorous. I didn't know it was set to auto advance until the office clerk told me that she noticed it well after the presentation. So funny enough. And piece of advice number two, when you're putting this together, your best bet is to, like this ended up being 17 or 18 slides, and that's huge, huge, especially with everything that I wanted to convey. What I would say is split this up. Make it specifically here your asks, here why the asks make sense, and then put your information, your knowledge, Put that kind of stuff 
try not to mix it in too much, but if you're if you do mix it in, limit it. But kind of think of it as two separate presentations, right? You have your your operational things that you want to do, you know, the the mechanical side of things, but then you want to convey why it's important and so forth. So make those two things separate. I just had a lot of information that I wanted to convey. Um, and there's a big reason for it. Why I had so much information in there is because I think there is one thing that we do here in the province of BC that has overcomplicated things, or perhaps maybe oversimplified. I'm not too sure which is the right word to use, but this is why I talk about reframing disabilities, and I do this in the slide. Now, think of all the dis all. Stop for a moment and think of all the disabilities you can think of, right? ADHD, autism, uh, dyslexia, physical disabilities, sensory processing disorder, intellectual, uh, depression, anxiety, etc. We all know that these things are not on-off switches. They're not because of bad parenting. They're not chosen, etc. Um, they're not a lack of discipline. We know that that's what disabilities are not. But did you know that... And I got this stat from uh, a government watchdog, actually. 95.8% of all kids who are autistic have a second co-occurring disability. And just doing my own informal poll on various Facebook groups that I'm in, you had about 90 plus percent of ADHDers have something else that they go. So as I like to joke, disabilities rarely travel alone. Here is the 20 second kindness break. Here is a tip for thinking kindly. Reframe your thought process that kindness is hard work. It's just a different kind of work. In the beginning, all new things take time getting used to. But just try one small task at a time. Hi, this is Siobhan from the Love and Kindness Project Foundation. Check out loveandkindnessproject.org and find other ways to carry out kind acts or start a kindness project of your own. You may be asking yourself, why is this really that important? Because in our province, the only disability that we track in our schools, actually that's not entirely true, one of the very few disabilities that we track in our schools is autism. ADHD, if you're lucky to get a designation, you get a, I believe it's classified as the, as a letter, as the letter H, it's an H designation. But you, it, it, that's basically a behavioral designation, like there's quote-unquote behavior issues, which isn't appropriate or right. It's not cool. But here's what's happened as a result of this. We're only looking at one number. And you are in, was, it's, was since 2014, if I remember my numbers correctly, there has been a 164% increase in the number of diagnosed cases for autism. But you can't say that about any of the other disabilities. And in such a huge growing city like the one that I live in, we can't, no one can tell you how many kids are ADHD, how many have Down syndrome. None of the disability advocacy groups can do that. They can ballpark it. It's one thing. When I was talking to Kathy, uh, Kathy McMillan of Dyslexia BC uh, the other week, we were talking about numbers, and I believe the number she gave me, like the total number of kids for 
I believe it was under 18 that are dyslexic, I think was 90,000. With ADHD for under 18, we're estimating uh, about 50,000 or so. And when you look at the numbers for autism and that big massive increase, it actually only paints the total number of people around 25,000, which doesn't feel right to me, to be quite honest. But that's just based on sort of the numbers and data I was able to find with a bit of help. So there's nothing accurate about it. But because autism is the only designation that's funded in schools, and I'm very happy that, it, that it's got funding, that's fantastically amazing. I'm so grateful for a lot of the autism organizations that are out there. But we only talk about one. And that's a huge issue. That is why I think other disabilities are left behind. When you have, and I'll just start with autism for as an example, when you have someone who's autistic and you have that high of a chance of having another disability with it. So let's say it's you're autistic, you're ADHD, and you're dyslexic. Okay, so you should, you are, what happens is that we just say, oh, they're just autistic. But that's not the case. It's getting lumped into just one disability. What you are are three different. You, what you are, are three disabilities. You're autistic. You're ADHD, and you're dyslexic. Not just autistic. That lumping in is what is messing everything up. Likewise, when you're ADHD and dyslexic, you get lumped in as just ADHD. Well, no, you're ADHD plus dyslexic. You're two disabilities, not one, you're two. This is important because this has widened the gap of, this has widened the gap and worsened the stigmas for people that are trying just to get help. The stigmas, unfortunately, and a lot of the political push that happens to keep the stigmas and, and the political push are two of the things that really keep the other disabilities down. Because it just becomes about one. And that's the problem. We're not educating ourselves, and especially government and the people who make the policy, they're not, a, they're not aware of, the, of how closely related everything is. And that's the, that's the pit I think our province has fallen into, and pretty much everywhere. So it's a really, it's a very big thing to realize this, and I hope I've explained it with some justice, because those, these are the mechanisms that have helped me come to this realization. You know, this is not about taking away services. It's not. It's about completing everything for everyone else because you have that person who is autistic and they are going to be dyslexic. Well, why is, you know, just in, in this example, um, you know, Dyslexia BC, which is one of our uh, advocate groups out here, why is people, why are people who are just dyslexic left out of the loop if that's such a high common occurrence with autism? They can get help, but someone who's dyslexic can't because they're not autistic. So now what's happened is autism has become the gatekeeper. 
And unless you have that autism diagnosis, you can't get funding for other services and everything else. You are left out to hope that your parents have a good job or hope that the school has got something or maybe you can't afford to get a um, you know, private diagnosis or something like that. And I'm trying to highlight privilege, really. That's the word I was avoiding saying, but I need to say it. That word of privilege highlights how vast the delivery of services can be depending on the color of your skin, your heritage, your financial status, who you know. Someone who's indigenous, they're not going to have access to the same person that a white person in the suburbs is going to have. And a lot of people just aren't aware of how inherently racist that these systems we have in place are. If you were to ask me whether I think that this was intentional when, and I have to go look up the name of the case that made the autism funding possible from from our province and such, I, I, can't, I don't know the name of it and I don't want to misquote the name, but it was as a result of a lawsuit, I think like 20 or 30 years ago, whichever. But if you were to ask me if this was something that was intentional, intentionally done to just focus on autism, the optimist in me says no. And I don't think whoever, and I haven't read the judgment, but my guess is that I don't think anybody had the foresight to think about this stuff. It wasn't until much, much later. I think they just looked, I think whoever the judge was, and I think they just looked at the case before them, and politically, this is just how things turned out. Has it meant an uphill battle for everybody else? Yeah, it has. But I don't really think it was intentional. Just to give you a personal experience lens on this, when we took Owen back to Sunny Hill for his speech assessment, when we met with the pathologist, he was basically going to give us two diagnoses. One was a speech-language disorder, and the other one was a language processing disorder. Those are the two we ended up getting. But the, the problem was that he came to me and he said, you know, you've already got the diagnosis that matters. Those are his words. And he was comfortable giving me the one diagnosis, but he wasn't sure about the other one because you've already got the diagnosis that matters, and it may not change anything. So I said to him, you can't do that. I said, you're going to give me both. And I'm not interested in collecting diagnoses. Okay, these are not trading cards. But what this does is this, having that information registered, triggers something in a system where they say, where a, a hospital official or a government official or somebody doing an FOI request, a freedom of information request, they're going to see that extra number go up there. And that may reach a threshold, and that may qualify something or may change something in the system, and that may influence policy in some way, shape, or form. Don't deny them because they just have the autism diagnosis. Again, autism should not be the gatekeeping for funding for everything else. To bring this on a second point, when we did take Owen for his diagnosis for his autism assessment back in April, don't get me wrong, I'm super grateful for the doctor. 
very grateful for it. We had a conversation about this. And it was basically, it, it was very, it was a very similar conversation. I made the same points to him. I said, you can't, you can't not diagnose things. And I know there are doctors out there that are not diagnosing, whether it's ADHD or autism, because they may think that something is overdiagnosed or that because there's no funding for it, they're not going to do it. But you're, you're screwing over a, a, you're screwing over a person is what you're doing with that. You don't have the right to be the gatekeeper for it. You don't. And I guess I was taken aback by the fact that that was now two very similar conversations that I've had with medical professionals that I actually never expected to have. So I'm hoping by this whole conversation, you can see why this is a big deal. It's a really, really big deal. And one thing that is very important to mention, tracking diagnoses is not a municipal or a city thing that they do. It is a provincial, it's, it falls under the provincial government to do, and it would be, it should fall under the Ministry of Health, not the Ministry of Education. There probably is a federal component to it. I'm not 100% sure on that side of it, but each province uh, they track and decide what they're going to track on their own, essentially. And just to give you one idea of a stigma that's hung around is this person's autistic, and you may have the stereotypical view of what someone who's autistic looks like. And quite honestly, it, that I mean, that's a stereotype in its own. It's like, oh, disabilities have a certain quote-unquote look. No, they don't. Building on that. Someone with someone someone who is autistic may be seen as oh you know they're autistic that must be tough right just like I was talking about in in the other episode uh, about why I was sad right you know there's that sympathy but then you have something like you know well this person's you know this person's ADHD yeah how much do we know about that now you're saying which one is worse. And all of a sudden, you're left in judgment. And you're left being the one to judge these things. And that isn't cool, because you are now contributing to the fact that you are gatekeeping how someone feels, or what someone needs to just function. And as an example, if I was to take ADHD medication, which is horribly stigmatized as it is already, but you, because it's classified as a controlled substance, because it's, because it's an amphetamine, um, or in the case of stimulants, they are, there's another one, but I'm trying to keep this simple. You know, trying to get that prescription refill, you're treated as if you're a drug addict, but you're just ADHD. And that's not the case. ADHD drugs are not they're 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 not the same they're they are a different formulation of the amphetamines that are on the street right speed all that stuff these are not the same things they are very different this medication for me hey it helps me me it it gets me to be productive it connects the gears in my brain to do things that 
otherwise my brain did not want to let me do for 47 years until I started meds. So you can see how this sort of all goes downhill. And because ADHD gets seen as no big deal, the but and autism seen as a bigger deal, and there's more supports for autism services, and people are going after grants and after money, and they and I don't wanna I don't wanna say that some organizations prey on this stuff, but the other disabilities get left out in the cold as a result. And that's not good. There you go. I'm done ranting. I've done enough. I hope this has helped. I really hope that this has shifted up shifted a perspective that you may have had or introduced something new that you may not necessarily have thought about. This stuff isn't easy. Um it's really tricky to break down some of these walls of understanding and piece this stuff together. And I hope that my talking out loud and talking out loud through this helps raise those questions and does something to expand knowledge. Or, hey, I mean, maybe there's something in here that you disagreed with me on. Let me know. Go for it. Don't mind at all. That's it. Have yourself a good day, good week. You are enough. You are amazing. Continue to do amazing things. Thank you for listening to our show. If you're hearing this message, you've reached the end of the episode, and for that, I want to say thank you. I hope you have enjoyed what you've heard and are walking away with newfound knowledge. We are the ADHD family. See you soon for a new episode. I have three things to ask of you. Number one, if you have any comments, questions, or guest ideas, please leave a comment on the Facebook page. Number two, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps people find us. And number three, if you want to be a guest on the show or know someone who would make a great guest, contact me through our Facebook page. This podcast is open to everyone. You don't need to be an expert, just passionate and want to see change. The opinions expressed by the host and guest are not associated with any employer or organization unless otherwise stated.